0: your bibles to genesis chapter 16 and i want to take a moment and thank ben for the ministry of the word of god last week were you encouraged last week where'd he go he's somewhere in the building i want to thank you for the opportunity to uh be off it's very 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 rare uh, that uh if unless i'm on vacation or i'm preaching for someone else that that uh, I'm not filling this pulpit, but it was one of those weekends uh, where my wife was doing something out of town, and I had my babies. And this is the honest answer: my I love finishing my sermon on Friday and Saturday. That's I want it to be fresh. I don't want to have it two months before, and you know I want it to be real. And I had my children, and I just didn't want to do Friday and Saturday telling them to go in the other room, and Daddy's working on his sermon. So. That's the why, and I was way more tired after watching them than doing a sermon, so I I didn't get out, in that sermon's easy compared to that right there. Thank the Lord for mamas. Stay-at-home mamas. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Stand up with me this morning one more time, Genesis chapter 16. Are y'all ready to dig into something this morning? Okay. We're going to laugh, and we're going to cry. Make sure through this message you just look straight ahead. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at nobody else. Just straight ahead. Genesis 16, 1 through 6. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray, go into this my maid, so that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. And after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife as well. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abraham, or Abram, My wrong be upon you. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. May the Lord judge between me and you. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, she is in your hand. Do with her as it pleases you. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And then look at verse 15. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name Ishmael. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've never preached a sermon on regret before, because it's a very broad and complex matter, and if you misapply certain truths to one area, it can create more harm than good. But I feel compelled this week to preach this message, and the Lord knew who would be here. I I didn't know know who would be here. But we need to understand regret We need to recognize it. We need to put it in the right category and deal with it the right way. Regret means to feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over a decision, action, or opportunity missed. Regrets are real. They're painful. They're powerful, but they're common. And the question is not, will you have them, but will they have you? Everyone has regrets. And you don't have to be evil or wicked to have them. It is not the experience of regrets, but it is the lack of wisdom in how to deal with them that causes us years, decades of angst by not dealing appropriately with the regrets that we have. When Sarai came into Abram and said, I'm not able to have children. Here, take this other woman and have a child. And you could go so many ways with this message. Can you put yourself in Abram's spot? Here he is. He's hearing his wife long and cry in the other room and beg the Lord. And so he concedes. And for all the women out there, this was her idea, not his. And he, he gives in and they have this baby. Thank you, Kelly. And the baby, uh, the mistress, as soon as she becomes pregnant, she despises Sarah. It's like, I'm giving my husband, thank you very much. Something that you can't give him. And she regretted it from the moment it started all through the life. And most commentators would agree that Ishmael, if not directly, indirectly, is one of the forefathers of the Muslim faith and much of Palestine and Arabian conflict, uh, conflict from the Arabs against Israel. And you'll hear the saying, having produced an Ishmael in your life. We have to first, and that's a, a, a kind of a broad introduction, but we have to understand, how did we get to the place of regret? Is it really just generational curses? Is it really just the work of the devil alone? Is it really demonic powers? Is it the spirit of the world? The vast majority of regret in the life of the believer, and I'm dealing solely with the life of the believer today, not the person that's not saved, but the life of the believer. The, 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 the main premise of regret is birthed through your decisions. Your decisions. The life you have today is a result of decisions you made and didn't make, educationally, relationally, physically. Now, it's not exclusively based on choices. Life, you don't choose which home you're raised in and the other, but the vast majority of our life is a matter of choices, quick decisions why do you think they put they call it impulse shopping at the checkout your you're Publix and uh, you're at, right at the register there's gum a pack of gum for three dollars and a half <laughs> but you like gum now you know in the back of your mind you can go to Sam's and get a dolly of gum for four dollars but it's quick, just quick just quick don't think just quick I'm, I'm free like that just quick decisions Impatient decisions. Sarah waited for a while, but not until the answer came. What she was really doing was playing God. Trying to bring about God's promises by her will, her efforts, and her intentions. God had already visited her and told her that he was going to give her a baby. But she didn't believe. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, she laughed. She chuckled when she heard it. And God called her out on it and said, Why'd you laugh? Said, I didn't laugh. Said, Yeah, you did laugh. You just lied about laughing. Why'd you laugh? Well, uh, I I, I just, uh, it was so absurd because of the deadness of my womb and and Abram and, and all of these variables. But see, it was in the unbelief. It is in our unbelief that we try to help God by being God. And it creates messes that it can take your whole life to unravel unbelieving decisions if she believed the God that visited her was faithful then the God that visited her would be the God that granted her the child and some of us are at the point of waiting where where we believe but we're impatient and if the Lord don't do something soon I'm gonna do something and if you go online I I, I don't do this often when I'm preparing for a sermon because it's crazy opinions, but I, I typed in regret. And you know those little quotes you see that people plaster all over Facebook? They go, oh, that's my motto. It's the first time they read it. And that's my mantra. And it said, the only regrets I have are decisions I didn't make. I went, what fool wrote that? That's speaking to the young person that's naive, that's 17, that's about to go on their own, has not done anything, and we who have been beat up by life Understand, it's not just the decisions I didn't make, it's the decisions that I did make. Hurried decisions, impatient decisions, pressured decisions. Sarah, after weeping all night long, nights and nights, tells Abraham, Do, I want you to have this child with her and give it to me. He's caught between a rock and a hard place. I, I, I don't, that's hard to even bail Abraham out there. I'd have just said, No. Why are y'all so quiet this morning I said where is he going with this yeah no we can't handle the one we got what you need another one for and another baby and they didn't live in a big house they lived in a tent so here's baby mama over here his mama with her baby hold all that drama going inside the house what do you do what do you do when your problem lives in the same house with your promise Difficulty. We all have them. So now all I'm trying to do is solidify. I'm going somewhere this morning. I just want to solidify the idea of regret. When we make decisions based on impatience, uh, hurried decisions, pressured decisions, and even if there's somebody that loves you, pressuring you to make a decision, God doesn't move us. God doesn't make us make decisions pressuring us in the sense of, Uh, He gives us knowledge and wisdom, and he will cause circumstances to help us. But this idea of if you act now, in the next seven minutes, you'll get the deal, and you go, i got to do it. Let the deal go. The window's closing. Let it close. There'll be another window. No hurry. The Bible says he that believeth does not make haste. And don't let people that love you pressure you into making decisions. People that love you as well as those that don't love you. Pressure you into making decisions that you know are contrary to what God has revealed to your heart about your life. And it's not an issue. If you love me, no, I can love you and not sleep with her. I can love you and still not sin against the revealed will of God in my life. Thoughtless decisions, uninformed decisions, misinformed decisions, desperate decisions. Independent decisions, not seeking the wise counsel of others. Carnal or lustful decisions. Oh, if I had time. When, that, when you make those flesh decisions, people ask me, they say, Pastor, how do you know if it's the spirit or the flesh? How do you know if it's the spirit or the flesh? The flesh always says now. Your flesh and craving ribs. I'm, I'm eating barbecue two weeks from Thursday. Flesh says, now. And Esau, his brother was cooking a pot of of stew, soup. And he said, give me soup before, lest I die. And he said, what you going to give me for it? I want your birthright. He goes, you can have it. His birthright, natural and spiritual. He said, what good is a birthright if I die? See, our excuses are never so stupid unless we hear somebody else use them. I ain't going to make it. I'm telling you, I'm not living another day like this. I'm going to do something. Yeah, you will. And we will make a myopic, temporary decision based on what we want without ever considering the years of ramifications that would come from that decision. Lost families, lost marriages, lost health, lost opportunities. I quit. I talk to people all the time. I quit. Well, where you work? Oh, I ain't got a job. I'm just keeping it real. You're keeping it unemployed is what you're keeping it. I just, I, I ain't putting up with that. You've got to be able to consider the variables in your life through the knowledge of God's word, the leading of God's spirit, and common sense. It's, let me just tell you what today's like. Today's like y'all coming in the office and sitting down on the couch. we just going to talk. We're gonna meddle, and we're gonna talk about everybody else, not you, but everybody else. Common sense is no longer common. And it's not common in the church. Because we take the verses, we pray the prayers, and if God doesn't do something, we're gonna do it. And that's how we got in the mess to start with. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Rebellious decisions. Selfish decisions. And here's the big one. Prayerless decisions. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Okay, now let's let's examine that. I can decide which clothes I wear. Well, the Bible says you can't do anything. No, I can't do anything in his will of eternal value without him. Well, God gave you common sense and we're just supposed to, you know, uh, you do what you can do and then God will do what you can't do. That's not in the Bible. It's the proud, arrogant man that says, I can assess this limited amount of information. I can process and make my decisions and ask God to bless it. Because ain't much difference between me and God except I'm here and he's a little bit higher. But the humble soul realizes that you don't know hardly any of the variables. We're misinformed uninformed and unable to process the complexities of our life that have not happened yet that we go before the lord where do you want me to be where do you want me to work who do you want me to date pick my friends pick my church i'm amazed at the people that consumer shop their life who they date who their friends are, where their church home is, based on I checked it out and I like this, I like this, I like this. There may be a devil in that place. There may be someone that the enemy has sent to harm your family, to w- w- wiggle into your marriage. And we, we're supposed to make decisions based on the leading of the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Don't take a job. people. Oh, this job was in another state. I took it. God wants me to provide for my family. Is there a good church in that town? Oh, I don't know. You got any friends there? You got a sports system? You got a family? Mm-mm. they just going to pay me more. We need to take responsibility. We need to look at it in the face and understand that we have incredible power that God has given us in our life to make choices. And we need to take, we need to take the time To take our decisions seriously. That's how you get to regret. It's also how you get to blessing. Choose this day, the Bible says, whom you will serve. Choose. I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. God will not make me choose well. And every regret I have in my life, most every regret, comes From my choices. And yours. Now we've covered the first point. I'm not going to leave you there. But we need to understand it's not just something happening. Life does happen to us. And certain things seem to be predetermined. uh, And the evils of this world that you can't explain. But I need to take seriously my choices. And not make them quickly. Not make them without counsel not make them without the Word of God, the leading of the Spirit, and prayer. Because God, I have learned, loves me enough to close doors just as much as He opens doors. Let me know, Lord. Let me know if this is Your will. Boom! Thank You, Lord. I guess that's a no. And other people are checking windows. Who's a window checker if God shuts a door? Confession's good for the soul. Who's a window okay. Who else? Oh, y'all aren't even participating. You're staring at me this morning. It's good anyway. I'm going to finish. I'm going to go home and eat supper. Okay, eat lunch. Here's an example. We're on a diet, and uh, I'm in the middle of of sizes right now. Coat's too big, pants too small, but I've lost a backstreet boy in the last (laughs) two or three weeks. I've lost him. The struggle is real. (laughs) Y'all quit. The struggle's real. Lord, help us up in here. Um, so, you, you know, you're, you you're committed and I'm only going to eat bird food, you know, just right out the bird food bag with the sunflowers. You just savor them. And, and you're, you're driving by, it used to be Waldorf. Y'all remember Waldorf's bakery? Waldorf's bakery had a, a, a fan like Burger King. You know what Burger King's secret is? They blow the smell out six blocks out of Burger King. You don't even want Burger King. You driving down the road, you pull in, I want a whopper now give me that one that you just cooked I smelt it coming through so the bakery's got this fan going and they just you know coffee cake and everything coming out and, and you're on your diet and you pray you're driving you slow down first Lord if it's your will If it's your will for me to have one of them five-pound coffee cakes, let there be a parking space right out front. And as the Lord liveth on my third time around, there it was, I just pulled in there, and it worked. That's how I knew it was the Lord's will. I had a dream. I was praying about a spouse, and I dreamed I was on the dock, and I was fishing, and I caught this fish, and I know I'm getting married next Friday. Did your dream finish? Did you realize what kind of fish it was when you pulled it up out of the water? (laughs) Decisions. I'm trying to mix humor with the reality. We need to slow down and make prayerful, educated, patient decisions. And if I miss it because I'm being careful, is not my God sovereign? And can't he orchestrate for my slowness? And my desire not to be out of his will? Wouldn't he rather me be a month behind him than a day ahead of him? Decisions. I've done this before. It's been a long time ago. I wanna do it again. Let me t- show you about variables. Cause see, we, 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 we feel that we're educated and we got all the variables, and this is all you can do. What else can I do? I have to do this. You know, just, just, this equals that. It's my only option. Just humor me right here. What is two plus two plus two? No, no, no. It's sixteen. See, he's listening. What do you mean sixteen? Oh, I forgot to add. Tell you to add the ten. And you went, John. That's stupid. That's what having inadequate information looks like. What I told you was part of it, but what you didn't know was the thing I withheld. And God knows about the ten. God knows about the things around the corner. So we humble ourselves saying, I don't even trust what I know. Two plus two plus two, I understand, got it. But God, I I think there might be more. I might not see something. We get to regret through decisions. Number two, that's the need to understand. Then there's the need to forget. After you face your choices after you face the mistakes you've made, after you face uh, the reality of the pain that we have caused, ourselves and others. And it's no need uh, today to try to figure out on your row who's thinking what or who's feeling what. We all have regrets and we're haunted by them. Does anybody else beside me have regrets that they made in their 20s? Your education and you hung out with your st- stupid friends who are still stupid. And the nerdy people are making $160,000 a year. You know, and you it go on and on and on and on and on. We all have the regrets. But listen, Paul said, this one thing I do, I count my not self to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I press on to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That verse tripped me up for a while because I thought forget meant forget. He said, This one thing I do, forgetting those things. No, you don't forget, you learn. The word forget means that I will not be controlled by, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I can't erase. The memory of failure. I can't erase the memory. You can't erase the memory of not being a good dad and now your kids are grown. You can't erase the memory of a broken home or, or, or uh, an accident that happened because you were driving impaired. I can't forget that. But what I can do is not let it be the controlling factor in my life. I, I can choose to not have it as the landmark but I can learn from and press on. The issue is not forgetting in the sense of forgetting. It means since... How many of you can forget abuse? How do you forget your failure as a man, as a, as a wife, as a husband? How do, you, how do you forget lost years? You don't, but you don't remember them solely that way, once I, here it is, once I stare in the face, my sins and my failures, and then I stare in the full face of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, I receive grace for that, and now the thing that I remember, I'm not remembering it as death, I'm remembering it so that I might be better. So what does a man do that wasn't there the years And his kids are grown now. You can't go back and be daddy. No, but you can be the best grandfather that ever lived. You can be the best father figure to those people that don't have children. You can redeem the time. And the the regrets do not bury me, but they propel me to redeem to the best of my... Since I'm forgiven, it's either going to bury me or better me. And that's the point that I want to make here. It's impossible to erase memories, but you can dethrone them. You can dethrone them. I am divorced, but there's way more to me than a divorced man. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a daddy. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a comedian. I'm all these things. And some of us today would never bow down to a carved wooden doll and burn incense and say it is God. But sitting on the throne of your heart are your regrets. And they are real. And we're not supposed to just act like it didn't happen. But they are not the Lord. You cannot erase them, but you can dethrone them and put them in their proper place. To be an educational tool for you in the future and for those that you instruct. You can't, and by forget I mean get past. You can't forget something you will not face. You have to own up to what it is. But once you own up to it and repent of it and find grace of it, grace for it, you move on. I've got to face it in its fullness. It's not uh, the guy said, you know, well, I, I I I uh, I shouldn't have looked at that. That was improper. I shouldn't have looked at that on the internet. No, he tells himself, I should not have committed adultery with my eyes and been an unfaithful spouse. You see? I have to face it. But once you face it, I, I, I should have been better. No, I shouldn't have aggravated my spouse. I shouldn't have rode them. I shouldn't have been critical. All this. Once you face it and confess and repent, not just to God but to the people, then you move forward. And with the knowledge of grace... You know that you've not discharged it as if it were nothing. I've seen it as something. But I need to forget. You can't forget something you've not been forgiven for. You can't forgive something that you allow to define you. You can't forget something that you allow to control you. You can't forget something that you allow to limit you. And you can't forget something that you allow to excuse you. Now, this is probably not a lot of people, but it's some of us in here today. You Remember when Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda, he goes, do you want to be made well? How many years was it? Was it 38? Long time. His friends would drag him up to the pool of Bethesda and just leave him in the shade because a certain a- an angel at a certain season would come down trouble the water. Whoever was put in the water first was healed. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? What kind of question? No, and just pause. No, that's not, a, that's not a dumb question, John. It's a very pertinent question. Because if I heal him, he's got to get up off that bed. If I heal him, he's got to go back home. If I heal him, he's got to go back and reestablish uh, his relationship with his wife. If I heal him, he's got to go home and be a daddy. If I heal him, he's got to be employed and provide for his own because the man that does not provide for his family is worse as an infidel. Do you want to be made well? And we are addicted to our failure because it excuses us. I am like I am because of what happened. I am what I am. Like Papa, I am what I am. That's all that's it. That's all I am. But it's excused. Well, you know, you know why he's like that. You know why she's like that. And I'm not making light of any of our sorrow. Listen, I am no stranger to sorrow, nor are you. But haven't you lived long enough hiding behind your regrets? It is real. It happened to me, but it is not all that I am. It's my decisions. um, There's more in me when God designed me for eternity. and, And regret can keep me back. I have them, but they don't have me. That ought to be somebody's mantra. I have them, but they don't have me. Excusing me. Well, that's why I can't love fully. That's why I can't forgive fully. That's why I can't trust fully. That's why I can't serve fully. We should never hide behind our sins or the sins of others. They're real, they're harmful, and they do shape us. And yes, they limit us, but they can't overcome you unless you quit. It is overcome. If overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. So, Sarah has this baby. Baby grows up. Mocks Isaac. It's horrible. The, the mistress despises Sarah. The baby mocks. the prom- Oh, the promise did come. See, if God takes the time to visit you on a Sunday service or in your quiet time and tell you what he's going to do for you and in your life, if he takes time to visit you, he's going to do what he told you he was going to do. And then what happens is we have the will of God living with the will of man in the same house and the mistakes that we make. And that, that's often our problem. What do you do? Now, I thought about this when I was getting ready with this sermon. Somebody's going to get in the car. John said for me to leave you. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. You don't break the word of God to keep the word of God. But listen to what he said. She came in there and said, my wrong be upon you. Time out. She come back in the tent and said, you know what you did? Remember that time I come to you and told you to sleep with Heron, Hagar and have the baby and you had the baby? It's on you. And the male in you goes, what? And God said, he's right. You're the priest in the home. You should have told her no. And he said, cast the bondwoman out. Now, this is not applicable in every situation, but it is applicable for our sins. You know how you correct a bad decision? With a good one. Get her out. Well, that's not kind. That's not Christian. That's not politically correct. God's saying to us, He said, I can take care of her and Ishmael. You worry about your family. That's how you got messed up last time doing my job. If if it's sin. And see, there's pain in that. We cause people harm. Let me give you an example. We backslide. We go get back with our high school and college buddies, we who are middle-aged and old, and we stir things up for about a year, and then God woos us and brings us back. And now I got a situation. I got my party buddies living in the tent with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So what do you do? You put the bond woman out. Well, that's going to hurt them. It's going to cause pain. Yes, it will. And I have to be willing. I have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get my life back to right. I can be lied upon. I can be everything you said. But I can't let God's will and my will live in the same house. It will destroy me. It's a surrender to God's will. Put the bond woman out. God took care of the mom. God took care of Ishmael. But it was the promised child that was gonna be, Jesus was gonna come from the lineage of this baby. So there's the need to understand and the need to forget, and then there's the need to move on. How do we move on from overwhelming regret? By caring more about our reality than our image. I heard a preacher share this, this week. By caring more about our reality than our image. Do you want to look like you have peace, or do you really want to have peace? You want to look like you have joy, or do you really want to have joy? Do you want to look like you have victory, or do you want to have victory? By caring more about what I have, what are the goods, what do you really have, than what someone thinks? And see... When you cast the bondwoman out, you can't do that in a vacuum. Everybody's going to have an opinion about your decisions, but you know what you have to do. I regret this decision, but I will not let this decision continue to be a decision. I will move on from it. The prodigal, when he went away from the father's house and wasted all his substance with riotous living, had to come back the exact same way past everybody he wasted his substance with back to the father's house. We move on. How do people move on? They do so by taking an honest assessment, what I told you, facing the facts, and making the hard choices. When she said, put the bondwoman out, God said, hearken to the voice of your wife. Does anybody else, your flesh, that's hard. God said, she's right, put her out. They gave her a loaf of bread and a canteen of water. See, we see things through temporal eyes and God sees things through eternal eyes. This decision may cause pain. There may be misunderstanding. There may be hurt feelings. But he was saying, God was saying, I know what needs to be done. Pain. You, sometimes you can't move on past regret without pain. Grief, what would you show me today? Will you stand up and show me, t- tell them what we had not too long ago? But what did you have? The shoulder surgery? Did you know that's the most complex? All the variations in the movements. And when I had shoulder surgery, and your pastor, I, I'm never sick, but I got more joint trouble than anybody I ever known in my life. I'm just falling apart. I told the Lord at the rapture, don't save none of the parts. Just throw everything away. Start over. And when I had shoulder surgery... Oh, they they trimmed, you know, the bicep was 75% torn. This is before I tore it off the bone later. And they did the shoulder surgery, and they did the rotator cuff, and they tightened and screwed and everything. And this thing was huge, and it felt like someone had a hot poker. Just stuck it in there. And I come out of, you know, you just barely come out of sedation. You ready to go? You feel like you have swallowed your mouth smells like death on a soda cracker. You ain't had... I said, well, we go what? I'm just something, just, just a wet rag. Anything. We got to go rehab. Grief, you remember? Rehab! If you touch my shoulder, I'm not left-handed, but you go, somebody's getting skin up. You touch this shoulder, this and here is coming alive. Like we're not. And the doctor told me, he said, it's going over your head today. I said, <laughs> ah! Ah! I did, I said, you have lost your mind. Over my head, he goes, oh, yes, sir. I said, look again. <laughs> I remember it, like, that's why I don't need notes. I said, look again. It ain't going over my head. And watch it, ah, it ain't going over my head. And here's what he said. Here's what he said. If it doesn't go over your head, he said, if we don't start moving it, it's going to freeze, scar tissue, and I'm going to have to come back and do it again. So I put my low arm in that pulley, <laughs> <laughs> and you got this. Anybody ever had this besides me? Y'all re- Am I telling the truth? Oh, 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 And you can hear it going. That's meat pulling. I'm just seeing it pull off the bone. <laughs> Up and down, up and down, up and down. Listen, it hurt me, but it didn't harm me. I was making painful decisions for future happiness. And some of us are scared of the pain of telling that friend, you've been my friend since high school, and I love you like a brother, but goodbye. Uh, what do you mean mr jesus i'm not judging you i'm judging me i'm not strong enough to live around you i'm not strong enough and i have to say goodbye to you because i will not sacrifice my influence as a man and the children of my home so that i can be your friend goodbye cast the bondwoman out cast the music out cast the shows out Cast the relationships. Out. Let there be misunderstanding. Let there be pain, because pain is bearable when you know it's for reward. An arm. Oh, if I can have my arm back, I'll do pain. Had that back surgery. You know what they told me to do? Oh, back surgery. I wish I had time to say about that one. Get up and walk. <laughs> Seven hours, they cut me from my spine to the base of my neck, just about, you know, they're just pulling stuff out. They're drilling, laying concrete, pouring in seven dust. They're doing everything. When I woke up, I, I mean, you know, when you wake up, and your first words are like, for the love of God. You don't know. Am I in hell? Have I died? No, I'm not in hell. Kelly's here. just right here. She's loving me, taking care of me. And you know what they told me? The first thing I told him was, I gotta pee. I gotta pee now. Now, like, go ahead. I, said, mm? <laughs> I can't move. I said, go ahead. I'm really kind of peeing right now. <laughs> go ahead. We fought about that. I blew up about this big. I got about three or four days. and hey, you're gonna die if you don't use the bathroom. But he, I'm serious. I mean, Chris just had like five surgeries. You, you had, the anesthesia hadn't even wore off. Get up walk. These bones have screws in them right now. (laughs) Oh, and it's still oozing. That's why we're changing the bandages. Walk or you may not be able to. If our worship team would come up to the front here. So what do you start doing? You start paying the price today for wholeness tomorrow. And I know some of you in this room today and you're too spiritual for this message and you thought, oh, that's, all I got to do is just love the Lord solely. All I have to do is not sin. And you are limited. Your horizons are limited. Your opportunities are limited. Your capacity for joy is limited because you've never dealt with your regrets. And some of you have loud ones and some of you have silent ones. But if you listen, if decisions got you into the mess then decisions can get you out of the mess choices what if if an audible voice came today and the Lord said I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing you pick. He did! and because we are Christians watch, the devil knows on average He's not going to throw us into a bed of adultery tonight. He's not going to make us turn away from Him. And since He can't take life life from us, He dims it down to where it doesn't look like there's life at all. Turn the lights on. Look full into the face of Jesus Christ. Find grace for your your sins. Cast the bondwoman out. Start over. Have a brand new day. The sun always comes and His mercies are new. If you woke up today and you saw the sun, that it's God's permission for you to live in it. I have regrets today, but they don't have me. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray as our worship team leads us that this would stir and seal in our hearts those that are away from you, that they would come running back. Those that realize that's me, it's not rebellion, I just am numb, I I can't live like I did, I can't laugh like I did. Free me today, O Lord, by the power of your grace, in Jesus' name.
1: Come on. Declare to you, my past is over in you. All things are made new. Surrender my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving.
0: People that move on from overwhelming regret do so because God has given them the permission to do so. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. You should glory in your infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon you. Therefore, take pleasure in these, the weaknesses, the reproaches, the necessities, the persecution, and your distress... For when you are weak, then I am strong. And here's the verse I've waited all morning to read to you. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in everything can do anything else. Abound to every good work. God's grace is sufficient for you to move on, to move forward. And you know what it's going to look like? Some of you are going to laugh again. You're going to say, I haven't belly laughed. See, we we look for magic. We look for God to do that and to be some supernatural. No. He said, I've come that you would have life. Just live. Abundant life is yours. So we have the capacity for joy. We have the capacity for pleasure. We, we, We appreciate the sunsets. It's like color comes back. And yeah, I remember, but I don't remember because I've dealt with that. And I've moved on past that and it doesn't own me anymore. Final thought. Picture Him. Close your eyes. Picture Him on the cross, naked, beaten, bruised, bleeding, and dying. And then think on this. He was wounded from my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Lord, for giving people like me a second chance. Thank you, Lord, for the joys of my wife and my babies. Thank you, Lord, for healing my heart. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for turning the lights on, Lord, that the devil has tricked us. And since he couldn't take life from us, he just tried to turn it all the way down. But we will live and not die. Our countenance, our face will shine with the glory of the Lord. You're going to rise for us, O Lord, with healing in your wings. And today it starts. Today it starts. Today it starts. So where you go from here? Home. Eat first, but you know, home. You overcome regrets one step at a time. And it starts and ends today. Have a wonderful Lord's day. God bless you.